and what that ties into, and you said it so well, there's different versions of stories, right? There's the eloquent one that's really detailed in that last 10 minutes, and there's the two-sentence one that is equally powerful. So what's the frame that people can take? For me, a frame that I like to teach is outcomes versus stories, which is simply start with the outcome first. What is something that you really want to teach people? So we can use your example, which I think is great with the person that you were coaching is really around, hey, making sure that everyone is following the safety regulations in the factory. That's the outcome. That's what we want them to learn. Because we always hear stories that, and we always have that friend who goes for 10, 15 minutes and you just go, where's the where's this story going to? I don't really get where this is going to. So the other part of this is going, wait a second, wait a second. Let's go back to what is the outcome, which is safety. And then from that outcome, we make a list of stories to then figure out what is the best way of conveying that outcome. In her book, Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glasser wrote, to get to the next level of greatness depends on the quality of our culture, which depends on the quality of our relationships, which depends on the quality of our conversations. Everything happens through conversations. Welcome to Conversations, powered by Quantivos. Welcome to this episode of Conversations. I'm Brian Gorman, your host and a Quantibos coach. And my guest today is Brendan Komarasamy. Brendan is the founder of Master Talk and the host of the Master Talk channel on YouTube. Welcome, Brendan. Brian, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks for having me on the show. Brendan, you are at the heart of communication. And most specifically, how we communicate when we talk with one another. What brought you to this focus in your career? Absolutely. I always like to say, Brian, that communication chose me. Funny enough, when I was in business school, I had zero intention of being a communications professional. I didn't even know you can get paid money to do that. I wanted to be an accountant. That was my dream. Go to CPA school. Yeah, it's literally the opposite. I can see your facial reaction there. So I wanted to be a numbers guy, which you wouldn't expect a communication professional to want to do early in their life. But what happened was I started competing in these things called case competitions, Brian. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing rugby or football or soccer, I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching the other students in college and how to speak, not because I thought coaching was going to make me money, but because it was fun. So I did it for free and I just started helping them. And then as I got older, I had the idea for Master Talk because I realized that, wait a second, everything that I'm sharing with them isn't really available for free on the internet. So I started making videos. I called it Master Talk and it turned to something I never could have imagined. What is at the heart of successful verbal communication? I would say for me, the heart of successful verbal communication is going back to what I call the 18 balls of communication. Communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. One of them is smiling. One of them is eye contact. One of those facial expressions, body language, storytelling. And it could get really confusing really fast for somebody starting their journey to want to become a great speaker. 
or just a great communicator. So for me, the question has simply been, what are the three easiest balls to juggle? Because if we can juggle those balls, it's going to be a lot easier for us to master communication. I'll give you the first one, but you're welcome to ask me about the others if you'd like. So the first one is the random word exercise. Pick a word like phone, like camera, like soapbox, like home, and create random presentations out of thin air. And this serves two main purposes, Brian. Number one, helps us deal with uncertainty because life is filled with it. When you go to a networking cocktail, you go to an event and you meet somebody new, you don't go there with a pre-list of questions and say, hey, you want to have a conversation around these questions? So you just see what happens. And the second reason this is really effective is if you can make sense out of nonsense, Brian, you could make sense out of anything. So if you talk about avocado toast for 30 seconds, when you go back to your business, you go back to your expertise, you could talk about anything and really dazzle the audience. So I recommend people do the random word exercise five times a day until mastery. You know I'm going to ask you, what are the other two balls? Absolutely right. The, the reason I don't say all three up front is because I don't want to monologue for 10 minutes. That's why. So ball number two is the question drill. We get asked questions all the time in our life, at school, at work, in a coaching session, and a podcast. But most of us are reactive to those questions. We're not proactive to them. I'll give you an example of what I mean. A few years ago, when I started guesting on podcasts, I sucked. I remember some guy asked me, hey, Brendan, where does the fear of communication come from? And I was 23 at the time. So I looked at him, and I was like, uh, I don't know, dude, New York City, London, you tell me. Like, I had no idea how to answer the question, which is fair given that most people in my industry don't know the answer to that question. So what did I do instead? Every single day, Brian, for five minutes, I answered one question that I thought the world would ask me about my expertise, my products, or my services, or if you have a career right now around my job. But if you do that for five minutes a day with one question for a year, you'll have answered 365 questions about your expertise, and you'll be bulletproof. That's number two. No, and then, wait, oh, 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 please go ahead. No weekends, no vacations, no days off. So because the exercise is so easy to do, it only takes five minutes, right? So there's two frames in how you can approach it. You could take weekends if you want, if you don't want to spend five minutes on a weekend to do, so, to do it. Instead, what you could do instead, which is the more intense version of the exercise, is what I generally do with clients or people around me, is I force them to answer 20, 30 questions in one sitting. So that way it's, the exercise growth is a lot faster. I just don't want the exercise to be intimidating for people. So for somebody who's listening, getting started, just spend five minutes minutes today. And if you want to take weekends off, fair enough. Go ahead and do that. That's totally okay. fine. <laughs> and number three. Number three is so simple that nobody does it, Brian. The video message. Just make a list of three to five people you really care about in your life. A friend, a family member, a client, somebody that really pours into you. And just send them a 20-second video message just expressing gratitude for them. Something like this. Hey, Brian, I was just thinking about you today and you really inspire me. I'm really grateful that you're in my life. I hope you're having a beautiful day. That's it. So simple. Nobody does it. There's only one rule, though. The most important rule to these video messages, when you're sending them on Facebook or on social media, is you're not allowed to retake the video. And if you just do that three times a day for a year, you'll have sent a thousand videos and you'll have impacted a thousand people's lives in the process. One of the things for me that really becomes important in whether it's public speaking or even conversationally when I am looking to communicate a message is the power of story and underneath that, the neuroscience of story. 
In fact, when I'm working with clients who are looking to make a significant change in their lives, we actually begin by creating a new story for them. And it's a story not about the future they want to be living, but it's a story from the future that they are living, a head, heart, gut story, a story that shares their emotion. But whether story is lengthy, if you will, or even just a few sentences, I think the power of story is important as a part of this whole art of verbal communication. And I just want to share one example with you and with the audience was working with a client who oversees a factory. And in the factory, obviously, it's important to give safety briefings. And safety briefings can be pretty boring. Don't forget to wear your helmet. Don't forget, you know, and it can be said with more emotion than that. Don't forget to wear your goggles, so forth and so on. I was coaching with him one time. We got into a whole conversation about story. And somehow in that coaching session, the connection was made around these safety briefings. And he said, I know these briefings are so important because I grew up without a grandfather. I lost him in a factory accident. I said, have you ever told that story? He said, no, it wasn't a long story. It was those two sentences. And that was all that he needed to communicate that wearing your goggles, wearing your helmet, that safety in this factory is really important. Wow. That was really powerful, Brian. Thanks for sharing that. And what that ties into, and you said it so well, there's different versions of stories, right? There's the eloquent one that's really detailed in that last 10 minutes, and there's the two-sentence one that is equally powerful. So what's the frame that people can take? For me, a frame that I like to teach is outcomes versus stories, which is simply start with the outcome first. What is something that you really want to teach people? So we can use your example, which I think is great with the person that you were coaching is really around, hey, making sure that everyone is following the safety regulations in the factory. That's the outcome. That's what we want them to learn. Because we always hear stories that and we always have that friend who goes for 10, 15 minutes and you just go, where's the where's this story going to? I don't really get where this is going to. So the other part of this is going, wait a second, wait a second. Let's go back to what is the outcome, which is safety. And then from that outcome, we make a list of stories to then figure out what is the best way of conveying that outcome. And it turns out in your case, because he was lucky or she was lucky, they had a great coach like you, you just figured out what that story was, which was, hey, just tell the one around your grandfather. That's the most powerful one. Or if somebody listening to this podcast is make a list of five or 10 different stories, five or 10 different ideas, and just circle the one that you feel defends your outcome the best. And that's how you do the stories. That reminds me of another client actually, who was trying to decide when he should retire. And I said, what is the factor that is most going to determine this? And he said, well, I can retire at any time, but right now I'm sitting between my people and the wolves. If I leave the people under me are going to be left defenseless. To me, that was a pretty scary story right there. <laughs> and we explored it. What I had learned while coaching him is that he was an incredible storyteller. And so we worked together and he literally created a album, if you will, of the stories of the lessons he had learned because he had spent his entire career in this organization. And he left that as a legacy and as a way to help his people protect themselves from the wolves as he saw it once he was gone. I love that story. I think that's super powerful. And it's a great, it's a great frame and how we can just test different types of stories to see what lands the best for the people around us. Absolutely.
Brendan, what has been one of the most significant challenges for you as you learned the art of verbal communication? Yeah, I mean, I wish I only had one, Brian. Unfortunately, I got so many, but I'll give you the main three. The first one is I grew up in Montreal. For those who don't know, Montreal is a city in Canada where you need to learn to speak French, which is a language I didn't know. So I actually studied my whole life in the French education system. And because of that, Brian, I had to give presentations in a language I didn't even know. You can imagine my first or second grade classroom, I'd look at the crowd and go, uh, bonjour. And that was my life growing up as a kid. The second piece is I have a physical disability in my left arm. So my left arm is crooked. So because of that, I had a big cast when I was in kindergarten, first grade. But even today when I present, most people look at my arm. They don't look at my face whenever I'm presenting. So that always caused me a lot of anxiety when I was in the early stages of my speaking journey. And the third is you would think that a communication expert studied in communications. Yeah, I got a bachelor's degree in accounting, which is literally the opposite of what I do today. That's why I'm such a big believer in the idea that, heck, if I could become a great speaker, I think anyone can be a great speaker. When I heard your early story at the beginning of this podcast, what came to mind is a question that I always ask my clients. And I think you answered it. And the question is, what makes your heart sing? It's clear in talking with you, and our listeners can't see you, but in, in seeing the joy on your face when you're talking about what you do, that not just speaking, but sharing with others how they can become more effective in their verbal communications makes Brendan's heart sing. I appreciate that, Brian. It's, it's a definitely a fair observation. I, I'm really grateful that I found my, my icky guy, so to speak, really, really early in life. And, uh, and we get to continue pushing on. Brendan, what else? And I know you could talk about this for, for hours and so could I. What else in the last few minutes we have together is important for our listeners to consider or what other exercise might they incorporate to develop their speaking abilities? Absolutely, Brian. Two last things. The first one is the most important takeaway from today's conversation, which is the following. Are we booking 15 minutes in our calendar every single day to do the random word exercise, to do the question drill, to do the video messages. Though if you want to take weekends off, that's totally fine too. So five days a week, okay, I'll settle, I'll compromise. But are we doing that every day? Because the problem, Brian, is that the best way to speak is to speak. So you could talk, you could hear me and you talk all day. But if you, the audience, wants to get better at speaking, you actually got to get to 100 random word exercises. You actually got to send 100 video messages, not all at once, but a few times a day. So I'll challenge all of you to book that 15 minutes. And if you do that in the next 30 days, I can pretty much guarantee your communication skills will spike, which brings me to the last point. And it's just a question back to your audience. The question is, how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? So much of communication is fear-based, whereas for me, communication is every moment of our life. So if we just embrace the way that we show up as a friend, as a husband, as a father, as a sister, as a human being, we can improve the quality of our life too. Brendan Kumarasamy, thank you so much for this conversation. Pleasure was mine, Brian. Thanks so much. 